Welcome to KafaruCast, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I've got the great John Dudley back on the podcast with me to talk about the now that the dust has sort of settled after the podcast he and I had done uh, on the FOC as well as other ones he's done as, as well as I have recently um, to maybe circle back and talk again. So welcome aboard. Uh, thanks for coming back on. Heck yeah, dude. Wasn't, wasn't, uh, too soon i enjoy talking to you yeah yeah same same here i actually somewhere in the middle of uh the last podcast and now i was i was uh i sent you a message i think you were uh you were golfing you son of a and uh i was i had like uh 14 screenshots of different uh posts that were on various social media forums and i was going to send them to you and be like dude read this but uh you looked busy when you were golfing so i didn't want to bug you too much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a rare day. My dad was in town, so he. Uh, if I want to spend time with my dad, I have to go golfing. He'll come hang out anytime, but he. Uh, it has to involve golf. That's the only way it's going to happen. So who won? Funny enough, he. We played best ball. I think we shot like two under. Um, so we both won, but my dad's a my dad's an interesting cat for sure. He called me. I think he called me maybe two weeks ago and he goes, Hey dude, you know, you're on TV on that Traeger commercial. (laughs) And I go, yeah, well, I filmed it or I was there, you know, obviously it has to be filmed. And he's like, he's like, wow, man, that's cool. And I said, dad, you realize I was on TV for six years, right? (laughs) Like he wouldn't pay a dollar 99 for the sportsman's channel. (laughs) He said, uh, he's like, he goes, dude, I looked into that channel you were talking about. It's like an extra two bucks a month. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, he is definitely one of a kind. It's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. How how did uh, TAC go? You were out at Total Archery Challenge. From what everybody told me, you, you crushed that course. It was a really good time. I'm, I'm totally sold on that. I was. I'm actually disappointed in myself for not being out there before before this time. Um, what a great event. And hats off to the people that bust their butts and set those ranges. I mean it was just a it was just a class act place. The guys just knowing everyone's tram time and having people sign in and getting people up and let people shoot the course and I mean, it was just, it was a really well-run event. I was um, i was just bummed that I hadn't been able to do it sooner and certainly something that I want to, I want to get my whole family there. You know, this time I had to go um, kind of, I was more seeking as a guest. You know, I was there as a guest. Um, you know, well, Easton had me there to help with uh, an experience that they had done with in conjunction with Cabela's so I had I think 10 students and so part of my responsibility was the day before I gave a full class at the Easton Center with the Foundation Center uh, and then on the Saturday I actually shot the course with them and just talked with them on most of the targets that weren't just a normal flat shot, which is pretty rare. I just talked with them through the technicalities of how I would approach that target as, you know, 
I guess a pro, if you want to call me that, um, and just talked with them about, you know, how I'd approach the target, things that I would consider for cuts. You know, I printed off cut charts for them, talked with them about, you know, angled rangefinders, inclinometers, talked to them about how to compensate for different winds and different lifts and pushes that we're going through and just kind of led by example. I, I shot most of the targets first and just talked with them about everything that was going through my mind each and every shot. And I think because I'd slowed down and was so methodical through it, I just, I executed really well. And honestly, if I'm honest, I, I did really prepare for that um, event because I knew I was there teaching. So I had a goal of, I put in about 5,000 arrows to prep for that. So I wanted to, to shoot solid. I was really happy on a personal level with, with how I, how I did there with, you know, with the students. I didn't want to go there and, you know, not lead by example. So I was really satisfied. No, that's good. That's good. I, uh, I had a few people message me, one, giving me crap because I wasn't shooting, and then two, that had mentioned you were tearing the course up, which it goes a long ways. You know, it's one thing to, to, to talk, it's one thing to, to coach, and it's another thing to, you know, to shoot up on a course like that is, you know, it goes a long ways that you're not full of shit. And I, you know, that's something to be said for that. And I I think you had mentioned something. You shot, what did you say, 10, 11 10s and four eights and the rest 12s or something crazy, which on a target on a course of like that is pretty, pretty insane shooting. Yeah, it was, like I said, I think because I was pretty methodical, just talking through everything and execution and I don't know. I've, I've got a really good combination right now. I just, I went there with my hunting bow. So I was shooting about 75 pounds with my hunting arrow. Were you at 24% FOC or 28 I'm just fucking with yeah, you. Go I was, ahead. I was at 39, 39%. <laughs> 39%. Yeah. I'm shooting a, uh, shooting a 450 grain point with a helium knock. So you actually blow helium into the back of your arrow shaft. So it helps the FOC. You'll probably sell that if you label it. Jesus. <laughs> what, <laughs> know, what was your setup though? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Like I would have to literally put my phone on speakerphone and then measure what my FOC is right now. I'd have to figure it out because I can't even tell you. What What, what was I your arrow? That, was it one of your new ones? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, obviously, obviously the arrows are new to some, but not necessarily new to me because it's, it's a it's just a recipe that has worked really well for me over the years but the difference was you kind of had to buy a lot of the components separately whereas you know what I've done is just package everything into one um, but yeah I was shooting an, I was shooting an axis with a total of 150 up in the front um, so I've got a I'm getting a 50 grain brass in the front with a hundred grain point. And then there I just shot a standard East and knock just because, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't know how many arrows were going to get demolished out there. So I didn't go out with lighted knocks, but I just shot a standard X knock and yeah, it shot really well. I shot a, um, I shot a four flex with a, it's a three inch max stealth vein but I shot it as a four flex with about one and a half degrees on the offset. Um, so 
it's working really well. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about the whole, you know, obviously I think we, I don't want to whip a dead horse, but with it, obviously there's tons of different directions people can go with it. I just, I'm not an extremist. I'm just raw heaviness and, and, uh, with what she's good and, this is what shot good for me with this particular setup. I guess that's all I can say. And it's funny. I actually, um, I, you know, and I, again, so I don't have to listen to any stupid emails after this, but I, on my, my recurve, um, I had changed my setup up to from 300 grains up front to 230, and a little bit, um, heavier grain per inch arrow and, uh, am shooting, did as good as I can. I mean, I shot a, a 377 on a 40 target course the other day, which with a re, with a zero, which is about as good as I can shoot. Uh, <laughs> That's better than my first IBO. <laughs> my first IBO in, in Bedford, Indiana, I shot a, I shot a 360. <laughs> and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, holy cow, 40 down. There's only 40 targets. It's <laughs> really pathetic, but yeah, you beat me. I, uh, well, I just, I was super happy with the way, and I, you know, I'm, 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 uh, you know, doing further and further testing as time goes on, uh, which I'm always screwing around with something. I'm definitely a one bow, one arrow type of guy when it comes to hunting, um, you know, for the most part, but you know, it's, it's always interesting to me. Like, you know, I, I have the ability to shoot multiple different arrows and multiple different setups and tune them differently and just check and see. And so, doing the same thing and and this arrow is is 10.4 grains per inch compared to nine and i'm shooting 230 grains up front rather than than 300 so my foc is definitely you know lower but the arrow weight is about the same you know overall and i i don't know how that i could shoot any better than I, I i i am right now and and i i ended up doing after you and i did our podcast i did a podcast with uh bill at iron will broadheads he makes a pretty amazing fixed blade head and then i did one with brent from valkyrie uh i did one with danny Klum, uh who owns rocky mountain specialty gear one of the owners as well as cutthroat broadheads which is a fixed blade head uh single bevel and then one with my buddy broderick and who's killed more than anyone i know uh, and then one with Ashby and I kind of got all of their, uh, you know, the collective of, of all of them <laughs> and their vastly different opinions on, uh, setups in front of center. Good Lord. And you want to talk about varying, you know, nor- farthest North on the compass and farthest South of differences. Um, I mean, everyone agrees aero flight's important as far as how much front of center that varies greatly. And then I got, all of the emails that came in and uh, from the podcast you and I had done as well as the ones that have been published after that. W- one thing that I'm definitely certain of is people hear what they want to. It's almost like when they, you walk into an all-you-can-eat buffet and you just pick what you want. A lot of these people just picked what they wanted to listen to and just shit can the rest, which I, I got a lot of a humor out of because – Really, if anything, they should have taken out of the podcast you and I did was um, every bow is going to tune or every arrow and bow are going to tune differently. And some arrows will tune with heavier point weight, some lighter, but don't sacrifice accuracy and arrow flight because of front of center and uh, and learn the art of archery and tuning, like learn, learn what you're doing. I don't wouldn't say that you and I were taking a crap on extreme front of center. It's just not something you and I buy into. Um, 
Would you agree with that? If you even remember the podcast, you do a lot of them as, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I definitely think that you have to pay attention to it. And what the one thing that I just have a hard time with is, and I and honestly, I dealt with probably four people on that total archery challenge range or people that I talked to at the tram or whatever that literally just came out and they're like, yeah, man, I got 300 total greens of point weight in the front of this thing and then I'm really looking forward to seeing how it cheats. You know, I kind of wish I would have followed up with some of them, some of them because they were more focused on just a number to put in the front. And for me, in a way, that's extreme. To just say, I have to have this much weight in the front, I think that's extreme because then you're not really looking at the whole picture. You know, that would that would be, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know an equivalent to it. But I feel like, is it, an, is it important or have I maybe have had a setup over the years where I needed that? Yes. And I gave the example of, for my indoor bow, because I'm shooting a... 56 to 57 pound bow for my indoor bow and i'm trying to shoot a 2315 arrow which is literally an arrow that is spine for a bow that should easily be shooting in the 70 pound range for my for my you know for what i'm doing if it had like more of a standard point um i actually have to shoot very heavy points in that arrow so that it will perform as good as possible in that larger diameter, which that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to shoot the, the biggest diameter that I can within the rules of the game. So like for, for like world archery events for indoor, the largest arrow I can shoot is a 2315. So I'm literally trying, and, and like for the NFAs, but you know, you can shoot a 27. You used to be able to only shoot it like a 2613. So if I want to shoot the biggest diameter shaft possible, it's really not spined correctly for an indoor shooter that's shooting lightweight. And, you know, we shoot lightweight just because of, you know, wanting to have steadiness, the ability to practice, you know, hundreds and hundreds of arrows a day. Um, so in those arrows, I shoot a lot of point weight. And, yeah, my FOC is high. But it's not because I'm focusing on FOC or because I'm focused on point weight. What I'm focusing on is how many X's does that bow shoot? Because I need a bow that, when I'm shooting right, is capable of going out there and shooting 30 X's. And if you have an arrow that is spined correctly to match the bow setup, then it can do that. But I can also take that exact same arrow and change the point weight and it could be either less or more. Like some people don't realize that if I took that 2315 and wanted to even go more extreme and put 500 grains of point weight in the front, well, now it's too weak. And once it's too weak, it's not going to perform just the same as if it's way too stiff. So my, my FOC is really being decided as a secondary measure to what matters most to me, and that is what do I need to do to this arrow so that it absolutely performs the best with the bow that I'm matching it up against. Now, there is one little thing that I kind of throw in there, 
which is the fact that yeah, I know off the bat, I don't want to only shoot 75 grains in the point of my arrow because it's not effective. Mm. I would really like to be 125 to 175, somewhere in there, um, as a starting point. So that's why, you know, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, using 50 or 75 green brass in the arrows and then really trying to make some fine tune adjustments from there to get the best performance. And if it doesn't perform to the ability, if I go out there and I'm, you know, getting these two or three arrows and in that are kind of flying out, if I make a 80% shot and I've got these arrows that are getting wild on me, then regardless of what the FRC is, it could be zero, it could be a hundred, which isn't really possible, but whichever, whichever, area that that falls in if that arrow isn't grouping the way that i want then it's not even in consideration anyway right and to so for for people listening in that that maybe still are you know confused or still focusing more on on front of center uh or or extreme front of center than anything um I, the easiest way I can explain what you're doing is the same way I'm doing. The, the front of center is is inconsequential to a certain degree uh, to me. It is a byproduct of my final setup, meaning when I, I have some base platforms when you walk into an archery range, uh, let's say if I walked into one, I'm, I'm going to give the guy, the, the guy at the counter, or, or I'm going to give John Dudley, I'm going to give him my draw length, the bow I'm shooting, and I'm going to give them the poundage I'm shooting. And then I'm going to, generally, I'm going to give you a base platform of the speed that I want to hit. And so I'm going to say, all right, John, I got a 29-inch draw length. I'm going to be shooting about 86 pounds um, out of my bow. This is the bow as far as, um, you know, some cams are a bit more aggressive than others or whatever. And then I'm going to say, hey, I really want to be between 265 and 280. Speed isn't a real big thing for me, but, uh, you know, I want my arrow to weigh 550 grains. And then that's going to give you a platform, whether it be the archery range or the uh, or you or whatever to 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 build it off of. You know, now you've got an idea of what arrows or what spine arrow I'm going to need. If I throw the um, the, the factor in there of saying, hey, I really want to shoot 125 grain points with a brass insert, going to have to know that. And then you're going to be able to say, oh, well, we may need to bump down a spine chart. That is all pretty standard stuff, in, in my opinion. That's every archery range has to deal with that. That's normal, right? You're, you're going to, all right, here, here we go. This is the arrow you're going to shoot. If someone walks into an archery range or keeps emailing me saying that they want to shoot 200 plus grains up front out of a 70 pound bow, and we already beat this horse to death, you are putting the point weight in front of the horse um, or the cart in front of the horse. You can do that. Um, that's that's not an issue, except one, most people don't know why they're doing it other than someone told them uh, to do it. But a lot of times, again, you're sacrificing potential accuracy or arrow flight for a for going extreme in front of center. And, and truly, when you start putting in um, 200 to 250 grains up front, you're dropping a couple spine charts. And depending upon your draw length and your poundage, you are off the chart. They don't even make an arrow that will spine out correctly. 
And my biggest point, you know, leaving you out of this is I would like people to really understand that they will message me a few guys specifically focusing on point on, on extreme front of center on these crazy point weights on everything else. And they'll finally get the arrow they like. And one guy, well, two guys messaged me and said, Hey, my arrow is hitting about 12 inches high at 20 yards. Do I move my arrow rest or my sight? And I replied and said, uh, what do you mean? I need more data. What are you talking about? They didn't even know how to tune the bow. Literally, they didn't know if they should move there. They had no base platform. They just shot an arrow out of the bow, hadn't tuned it, just literally came up with an arrow combo. To me, that's too far extreme. They worried more about everything in the world but learning how to tune the arrow, how to set up the bow, and move on from there. They focused on nothing but extreme point weight before they, and they truly put the cart so far in front of the horse, it's not even funny. And again, I'm not bashing extreme front of center. What I am bashing is focusing on nothing but extreme front or center and forgetting how to set up a bow, how to tune an arrow, and, and, and things that are important like second and third axis, things like that that people forget about. Tying on a D loop reserving a bow, all of these different things that seem to be forgotten, but God, I mean, they're going to have 20 plus percent front of center. That's what I'm trying to push is for people to learn what they're doing so they don't have to, if you're bugging people on how to get 20 plus percent front of center and you don't know how, I'm thinking you skipped all the building blocks that you really needed to tackle first. Do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do just because Back when I grew up, I didn't have the ability to listen to the types of podcasts that we're listening to every day now and getting people's really good information. Um, obviously, there's some not there's some information out there that's not that good. But you know, maybe my opinion would be different if I listened to to other ones. But it would be it would be really hard for me to go backwards. Um, at this point, just because so much of what I've done is based on performance downrange. And I think, I don't know, I think there's just all the people that you said that you've had on your podcast, they all have differences in background too. So I can't really vouch for all of them. But I think they're, you know, some of them come from, from a different time where maybe maybe things were a little bit different um but i just know for me for example if right now i was starting at square one i was literally uh a bow hunter someone who normally shoots a 31 inch draw but norm but shoots a you know a 30 and a half or a 33 quarter for for hunting just because I, I like to with a little bit more bulk on my on my sleeves and stuff and if I were to just look and say, okay, I want, you know, 200 grains up front in my arrows, I would literally be able to shoot one arrow right now in the eastern line. Well, I could shoot two. I could either shoot a dangerous game or I could shoot an Axis 260 and that would be it. Like, that would literally be it. Um, 
because I, I would know as soon as I'm trying to put that much point weight on the front of uh, these arrows, a, a 300 spine or a 340 spine is like completely out of the question. I'm, I'm like stuck with, with that. And not to mention, you know, I had to do quite a bit of due diligence just to produce the arrow chart for the arrows that I, that I came out with. Um, and I couldn't imagine what someone else who's shooting a standard arrow that's on the market, you know, to be able to actually look at a chart unless you have a really good program that would run it and and really put in all the factors that you need to know about when it comes to FOC and wanting to shoot extreme point weight because, you know, the difference is it's not just how much point weight you put in the front of that arrow. That arrow, the spine of that arrow is also affected by how far at which that either that insert goes into the shaft or if it's a very long shank versus just like a hit insert. If it's like, you know, some systems, like for example, on the BAPs, um, they have a very, very long shank. Um, and I've learned from years of shooting ACEs that if I shoot the, the bulge points, which I really liked because of the fact that they had a very long shank that went inside of the shaft and it actually stiffened that shaft up quite a bit for me, um, which was necessary so that I could shoot, you know, a slightly weaker spine that was available. But since the insert went so deep into the shaft, the actual, you know, the way that that shaft responded was much different. So there's just so many factors that go in. It's impossible to just literally grab a single chart on a wall and, you know, and I don't mean disrespect to dealers. Um, I know I've, I've said that it's hard to go into an archery shop and, and find this out. I do stick to that, but I don't, it's not because of, it's not because of the lack of knowledge from the dealer itself necessarily. I mean, I can't vouch for every dealer out there, but even a dealer that's on top of everything in archery to really compute accurately all the factors involved with what that arrow truly is doing to respond best to that bow setup. It's just, it's hard to just put on black and white. I mean, you really do have to, to do some homework and know some of your business. So I'm just going, at least with what I talk about, I'm going off what I've learned from experience and what I've seen downrange. And, you know, and this is coming from, from a guy that grew up beating his head against the wall, trying to make sure that his bow was as accurate as every person that he was competing against every weekend. And it's frustrating when you know how well you can shoot, but yet your arrows are doing something totally different on the target. And believe me, there's, there's times where I've taken myself which hasn't really changed and the same bow and put different combinations through it and literally had the paper show the results of either an amateur versus, you know, holy cow, this is, this is just a true marksman right here. And really the only thing that changed was the ballistic projecting from the bow, like the targets the same the bow's the same and the person letting go of the string is the same. The only thing that's different is that 
projectile in between. And I just know what what's worked for me, you know, and I don't, I haven't done test studies and paperwork to it. I just know what works when it comes to, to being downrange. Yeah, which is, I mean, most important, um, really. I mean, you can't really argue with a guy, uh, you know, standing there dropping, you know, softball-sized groups at 80 yards and, and tell him, you know, he was, he, you're wrong. And and that was one of the things I, I talked with Brent about because he was giving me, Brent with with Valkyrie, um, you know, he's basically just telling me I'll shoot better if I if I go to 25-plus percent FOC or something. And, and, uh, and maybe that's true. I just don't see how. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but I just came from a much higher FOC setup with my recurve and went down lower and added point weight to my arrow, and, and my groups are actually better now. Now, is that because this arrow is tuned more uh, correctly? Probably, but... Um, there, there's also something to be said that I didn't go backwards and part of the, you know, issue with, with tuning when you're tuning an arrow, um, you know, is, I mean, when you go extreme on, on one end or the other, um, you, you're going to run into problems. That extreme part is kind of the key, key word there. Um, anytime you go extreme with heavy poundage, it's always harder to tune. And I know Hoyt hated it when I ordered 80, 90 pound bows, um, it's hard to tune an 80 to 90 pound bow cause that's extreme weight or getting extreme. It's hard to tune, harder to tune, which, you know, a 31, 32 plus inch draw length because you're hitting a more extreme side that it, it's just, when you take things to the far end of the spectrum, it gets more difficult where, um, I think a lot of people, you know, also maybe, um, I don't know, I'd say writing checks, their ability can't cash. If you're shooting like shit at 40 yards, adding the extreme point weight or trying to find an arrow to fix that, I, I don't know. It may put a Band-Aid on it, but you're still not fixing what, in my opinion, you should be fixing, which is, one, learning how to tune the arrow, and two, your, your form. Um, you know, the same can also be said for guys shooting long distance, you know, as far as the, the flack I got is learn how to hunt and get closer. If you're focusing more on taking a 100-yard shot than you are having the skills to get inside of 40 or 50 or closer, you know, that can be a problem. You're going extreme on, um, you know, taking far shots, which which I'm guilty of. Um, you know, all those things come into play, and you set up bows for a living. I mean, that's not the only thing you do, but when you're setting up those different bows— um, and, you know, people you run into on a course, I mean, how, what's the percentage, would you say, of people that truly understand archery that you deal with? Well, yeah, it's minimal. I mean, I think everybody, most of the time when I, when I speak with someone, they're, they're constantly learning or saying, I didn't know that. I mean, they're, you and I get to talk to some pretty unique and sharp people. So, but I think if you look at, the average guy walked into an archery shop, how many people in there are very knowledgeable and vast? It's pretty dang small versus, you know, obviously if, if I'm going to, I'm not the right person to ask because, you know, today while you were waiting for me to, to, to get on the podcast, I mean, I was talking to Bob Prom or, or, you know, Randy Ulmer, or James Park. I mean, people I talk to are, they're all, you know, icons in their own, in their own way. So it's a little bit more difficult, but when it comes to just bows that I'm building for, 
the average guy, I mean, yeah, they're literally saying, what do I need to do to, to be able to be more accurate? And I build them what I think. And then, you know, whether it's a placebo or not, normally they're saying, this is the best shooting bow I've ever, I have, I've ever had. And I have several people who have talked me into doing a build for them. And then for whatever reason, you know, we, we part ways and I don't do another one. And then, you know, they end up coming back and, and saying, you know, I don't, I don't really care what it costs. Nothing's shot as good as the one that you built me that time. So, um, it, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery either. I mean, my methods are very, very simplistic. So I don't, I definitely don't want to come off like I have some amazing knowledge of, you know, or gift of doing this. I just really stick to what looks good downrange and what what looks good getting there. And that's what I focus on. And other than that, it's just, it's kind of a simple sport. It's just being repetitive. There's not, there's not, uh, I think you can over, you can oversimplify it and you can make it way more complex than what it is. Hey, I, you know, I don't want to rule, rule out some of these people that you've had on. I mean, like I said, I'd, I value the quality of the Valkyrie system, um, you know, his inserts and stuff. I think his quality is great. Uh, but I also know that if I were buying arrows, I probably wouldn't pay that much for a full set. You know, I would just, I know that, I know his arrows aren't going to outshoot mine. Or if I shouldn't say mine, I should just say, you know, combinations that I've built. Um, but yeah, it certainly, it, maybe it's more forgiving. Um, if that, you know, if he has a valid argument that way, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I would, I would certainly shoot him better. I, I would be kind of taken back if, if they were just that much better, but I think the quality's great. And one of the things that's important about quality is if you have super high quality, then you have consistency and more repeatability so i think that's important but a big reason why i shoot what i've shot and a big reason why i put a lot of homework into my arrows is i do try to weed out i try to weed out those arrows that that don't spin right or you know if i put a if i push an insert into the end of the arrow and it just slides in like it's not even touching the walls then yeah i kind of either check another insert or check the arrow shaft. And if it doesn't fit, I, I ditch it. I mean, I, I do cull through mine and try to find those. Same's true with knock fit and all that stuff kind of factors in too. But I do have, I do have a value for super high quality, but I'm also the type of person where I could, I could easily say, well, for the price of those, I could buy two dozen of these and I'm probably going to have 15 that are perfect. Um, that'll do what I need it to do. I mean, I'm the same way with optics. I mean, I'm, I'm not sponsored, you know, I'm not paid by, by Maven optics, but Holy cow. I, you know, I tried, I tried Rogan's two years ago. I tried my buddy Andy's. Um, well, I tried Shane's a year and a half ago, Shane Dorian. And I tried my buddy Andy's about six months ago. And for as hard as I am on optics, I just, 
I'm like, man, I can get two of these for what I was having to pay for, for one of my really good ones. And I was always bashing a pair every year and a half. I was needing to replace them. So yeah, I was like, Hey, there's, there's a trade off, but when it comes to value in hand, I, I, you know, I thought another one was more favorable for me. No. And that makes sense. And, and I will say, yeah, I don't, use Brent's arrows I use his the sleeve and the center pin and like the arrows I have set up now about half of them have the uh the sleeve and the center pin and then the other half are the standard components that come with the arrows and they just it weighs the same uh within a couple grains and so I can use a center pin broadhead and um or or field tip and then I can use the standard you know just a standard broadhead um and and they hit the same and the weight is the same. I can't really speak for the the arrows. I've never used Brent's arrows. I've used other arrows with Brent's components. And you know, as I've as I talk to all these guys and uh they they all threw their two cents in, um, you know, Brent was very much sold on the extreme front of center and after six hundred and fifty grains is where you get the heavy bone breaking potential. Um you know, uh, Bill with Iron Will, he had different philosophy on that. Um, when we talked with Danny, Danny Clum, who's killed a ton of big animals, both with compound and recurve, and he uh, is one of the owners of the cutthroat head. You know, he was like, hey, just make sure your arrow's flying good, have good point weight, make sure you have a good weighted arrow. Um, you know, after that is is kind of... You know, Danny killed more with a with a recurve anyway, with a 570 grain arrow than he did with heavier arrows. Uh, you like with my Brian Broderick, who's who's shot um, hundreds of animals. You know, he's went down all the different rabbit holes, and his his thing is, you know, you want your arrow flying straight, you want it to be pretty heavy, and you want your knock to be in line with your point, and uh, in, in in a sharp broadhead and you start putting a lot more effort into all these other variables. You start to confuse things. You get into the extreme side of things that come becomes more difficult. And then I, I talked to Ashby for two hours and that he, and you know, he has an extreme following um, with that extreme heavy FOC. And when I was talking with him, I won't say reasoning with him, trying to get to, Hey, if you're a compound guy nowadays, you know, where's a good base, right? And and it was and it was, you know, six hundred and fifty grains and, and, and a cut on contact, you know, single bevel head. You know, he's pretty set in his ways. But you can find people um in every aspect of this or every setup, meaning you can find the guys shooting extreme FOC, you can find guys shooting moderate, what that have been extremely successful. And so it's hard to argue with all these different people to say one or the other one is wrong or right. Do I feel a heavier arrow penetrates better? I, I do. I like a heavier arrow. Uh, I think good point weight uh, is important. But at the end of the day, a sharp broadhead with an arrow that's flying true, you know, those are, that's the bread and butter right there. After that, the other stuff starts to become not nearly as important. And again, skipping all the building blocks to get to the point where you get to play with this type of stuff and understand it is happens daily where they watch a podcast, they hear heavy FOC or they hear, you know, whatever. And they start to focus just on that. But I mean, I, I don't know how many people I know that, that don't know how to reserve a bow. Um, you know what I mean? That don't know how to level out, you know, set the th second and third access on their site, things like that. And those are just as important 
along this road to learn as as tuning the arrow. You got to learn it all. You can't you can't skip one. Not to say that you can have bad arrow flight and a a, a, a sight that's level and you're going to be fine. But you know what I mean. Um, and again, may, you I may deal with more people emailing in that are greener where you're dealing with more experienced. But I just get a ton of messages from guys that truly don't have it yet. They're eager to learn. But they're eager to learn starting off maybe on what what I would consider potentially the wrong foot. Um, And that foot seems like right now, for whatever reason, the the trend is extreme FOC. And that brought them into learning more and more about archery. So it's it's weird for me looking at it, especially, you know, doing it for 20, 25 years. What will get people, I I hate to say fad because extreme FOC has been around a long time. But remember like when those little short knocks came out, Ulmer was shooting? Yep. How how quick did that take over the world? I mean, pretty soon everybody on the planet had these short little stubby knocks. Well, everything he's done. I mean, look at the, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are out shooting in bowling shoes for freaking couple tournaments too. I mean, our, our release pouches that everyone, every person has literally came from Randy Ulmer showing up at a shoot with, you know, a rock climbing salt uh chalk pouch filled with a bunch of yeah filled with a bunch of hinge releases uh that he used to overcome his target panic so yeah a hundred percent um i normally don't even i don't even really go down these too much if i'm honest um these roads and i don't really pay attention to what people are saying uh i think it's great that people are I think it's good that people are actually arguing their their point and wanting to, you know, saying, hey, you know, I don't like the fact that you don't believe in it or I like the fact that you do. I mean, I, the fact that people are actually picking a side and maybe getting out and shooting different things, I think that's good for our industry. I think, I think as a whole, we're going to grow because people are out there trying these new things and you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but just over the course of like the last month, the amount of posts that I've seen with people that are shooting four fletch arrows is just crazy. I mean, there there's so many people are trying it. And one of the things that I did with the store was I, you know, I called AAE and I said, hey, I'd like to buy a 40 pack of veins where there's literally, um, everything you know multiple arrows worth of each of the veins so that people can can put these on they can try them for themselves and they can make a determination of which vein is actually just working better on their arrow and i remember i'm saying like dang that's that was a good idea and it really is because i see people that are out shooting a four fletch max hunter and even though that didn't work well for me, they're saying, dude, it totally flies the best for me. You know, I tried the other ones. I didn't quite like them. Or this one was a little bit louder on my bow. Um, I, you know, I think all that is awesome. It's good for archery. It's good for the archers. I did a podcast, I think, uh, yesterday or the day before, um, mainly just kind of introducing an arrow kind of configuration or arrow series that, that I'm bringing out. Um, but I also, in that podcast towards the end, I did a little recap of 
the total archery challenge. And I just told people flat out how proud it makes me as someone that's trying to grow the sport of archery to go to an event like that and see how far archers have come over the past. I mean, I'm there's, there's just so many people that are out there just shooting 10 times better than I, you know, I, I met a guy that said he'd been shooting one year and he was out there at the total archery challenge with the silverback freaking, you know, nailing the whatever at a hundred and something yards. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh. I mean, you would have been the highlight of a novelty shoot back in the day. If you were, you know, shooting that kind of a shot at all, let alone being a year in going out there with the tension release and, and shooting the total archery challenge. I just think that as an, as a whole, our industry is just making leaps and bounds. Um, certainly something for me to be proud of, um, seeing it. And some of the stuff is just hypotheticals. And until you go out and try them and really see for yourself, probably not really worth that big of an argument until until you've just gone out and said, you know what? I tried this. It just didn't work for me. I can tell you right now, over certs for me don't work because I'm only cutting a few inches off my arrows as it is. If I have to cut my inches or my arrows an inch longer for a, for an over cert, that's kind of starts to put some new math into my equation. And honestly, I don't like to have a longer arrow going through the wind. I have way more wind drift. You know, there's more actual surface area for wind to be affecting, even if the FOC is higher. So some of this stuff is just factors that a lot of people just aren't even, you're just going to lose their, you're going to lose their attention trying to say, okay, I can see where you're saying an overserd is good because it offers extra strength or you can now get higher FOC. But if I'm having to cut my arrow an inch longer and I'm already shooting an arrow this long, do you know what the math is for actual, you know, wind drift just based on extra surface area? Like what's the point of no return between surface area versus FOC? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all that stuff is, all that stuff are, are little factors that that kind of, I don't know, over time, I've just come to realize what works for me and what works for the majority of the configurations that I build and what doesn't. Um, and the other thing, too, I had a lot of guys that I saw at the Total Archery Challenge that, you know, that had mentioned to me that they were, that, you know, that they were really boosting their FOC. But they also said, you know, once they boosted the FOC in the area that they, in the era that they had before, that they weren't able to get their sight low enough to get to some of the yardages they needed to. Yeah. So that, that's another factor, you know, that's a whole nother factor. When I built, uh, I built a bow for, I built a bow for Green Tree. Um, and, you know, he does like high FOC or he doesn't even like high FOC. He just likes high point weight. He likes the collar. He's, he's really focused on just penetration and durability. He's not even looking at the math. He's just looking at penetration, durability. You know, he, he's out in the field a lot. He wants to be able to shoot an arrow into a rock and pick it up and still be able to use it. He's not going to be shooting triple digits. Like he's, 
and I, you know, and I, I know there's going to be hunters that are going to say, well, you don't need to shoot a hundred yards, but I shoot at a hundred yards more than I shoot anywhere. It is I mean, fun. I honestly, you know what I mean? If I don't think people, people that say that, I always say, well, if you played basketball, would you do layups every day? It's fun to <laughs> drop three pointers. And there, I, it's not like you're the devil because you're shooting a hundred yards or in, in the case when we stretched it out, it was, you know, getting out there around 140. Um, I would have people walk up to me at the range to tell me how bad I was for archery and that was unethical. And I'm like, Hey, I'm shooting foam for Christ's sake. That thing doesn't have a heartbeat, but you're giving the wrong opinion or whatever. But I'm like, Hey man, if you know, you don't stretch it out. I mean, what the heck? I mean, I, I, I literally, if I was playing basketball, I wouldn't want to do layups all day. I would want to stretch it out and drop some three pointers and, you know, same can be said for, for numerous different things, right? You're not going to bunt every time you're playing baseball. You're swinging for the fences sometimes or all the time. And so the other thing it does too is is you truly can see what mental issues you have, how much movement you have. You know, a lot of guys can shoot really good at 20. And as they back up, not only are you seeing obviously form flaws, the mental game comes into play even more. Are, are they are they tensing up as the pin moves or floats around? Is that getting to them? You just become a better shooter when you stretch out. Um, of course, this is my opinion. I think you become a much better shooter as you become proficient at longer distances. And that's not to say you're going to shoot an animal that far. But if you can keep it in a paper plate at 140, you're probably not going to have too much trouble hitting a deer at 30. It, it's just how it is. And you know your shit is dialed. You're, you you know it uh, when you're able to do that, you know, consistently. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm a big advocate of it, even though I'm not a big advocate of, you know, I don't, I'm not real vocal about, you know, taking crazy shots on animals um, at those distances because I think there's a lot of factors that only experience can, can play in. But I'm 100% with you. I agree. Again, I mean, a lot of this stuff, I, I you nailed it earlier, um, whether it be, you know, people getting, you know, the, the shit talking or, or what. A lot of this stuff is I have found that a lot of not everyone, but there are a lot of people promoting heavy FOC that it's to be all when I say heavy extreme FOC that have not actually put an arrow through an animal. I do find that comical because. What are you basing this off of? It's not firsthand knowledge. And to me, I really like to take advice from people with firsthand knowledge. And if I don't know something about a compound bow, I'm going to call someone like you, someone that has more firsthand knowledge than I do. If it's about hunting, I will will ask someone that has that experience in hunting. I'm not going to ask for advice from someone that has theorized because that is all it is. I mean... I can tell you all about long distance running because I read a book about it, but I can't really tell you firsthand. And in my opinion, firsthand knowledge is the best knowledge. And so I do, I do, um, try to not get in the, start slinging mud on, on anything where, especially when I get some of the jack wagon emails about this, because it's like, Hey, I'm just here to, to, to try to get people to understand, to teach, to help people, to figure things out, to save them money, all those type of things. I really don't need you to sway me one way or another because I'm killing shit with the setup I have. I'm not asking for your advice, but I appreciate you looking out for me. My setup's working. 
I am here to help other people, same as you. And I've had a few people where I've really felt like saying, hey, why don't you start your own podcast? If you're that smart, rub some funk on it, dude. Fire away. Teach some people. Like, you obviously want to tell me how stupid I am. I think you would be a great person to start a podcast because in in the end, really, I just want people to hit what they're aiming at and do it more consistently. The uh, the point white stuff is just something to talk about, um, you know, but trying to educate people along the way is important. And, you know, you have a huge platform as well that people are, you know, listening in. But, you know, when I saw some of the comments about um, you're all of a sudden promoting heavy FOC because you're shooting a 50 grain insert. I about lost my shit laughing um, because I'm like, really? You got that's what you got out of that was he's uh, he's promoting extreme front of center because he put a brass insert in there. You've been shooting, which you've said multiple times, 150 to 175 graves up front for a long p- period of time. If unless I totally missed that, but that's what I took from it. Yeah, well, actually, before they were even available, and it and and here's why. Um, Originally, some of the broadheads that I shot were all like back in the day. You'll recognize a lot of our broadheads were like 125 to 150 grain broadheads. I mean, and then, and then as I saw other broadheads come out that were only available in 100 grains, and I really liked the design of them, and the and literally I loved the ballistic characteristics of them, but they were only in 100 grains. I was doing, well, like with the hit inserts, when they first came out, I would stack two. You know, I'd push them in back to back. Same's true with, um, I've put in uh, two of the stainless inserts, like in the injections, or now I actually have, I should make a post of this. I've got uh, brass inserts that I had custom made years ago for my ACCs, and I also have now I've, I did some injections where I actually tapped in uh, little little brass bars in the back of it and then epoxy them on. And it's all because of the, the broadheads that I really like to shoot. You know, I really loved, um, back in the day, I liked the that Rocky Mountain 100, the TI-100 I really liked. I liked the turbos when they came out. I really liked the tro cars, and these were all head. Then I, I really liked the shuttle T-Lots in the 100 versus the 125. So I changed my insert weight not for FOC purposes necessarily, but more for the purpose of I did just like how my arrow flew with a little bit more point weight, but I didn't like I didn't like how it flew when the overall front weight was based on putting a bigger, like, surface area broadhead in the front. So my whole thing boils down to what flew downrange. And, yeah, I don't feel like I'm an extreme FOC. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm in between. I feel like I'm, like, I'm trying to, to play both sides of the fence. I feel like. I'm not on the full, full extreme side where it's going to make people have to fully re-educate themselves. Um, but I'm also on a side where I think there's benefits to the archer to have a little bit more. But maybe some people don't take it that way. That's that's totally fine. I mean, if people can go out and put 500 grains in the front of their arrow and, they, and it shoots better than anything I've ever built, then, man, that's awesome. Hopefully one day I can say the same right now i don't have that option my drawing's too long my, you know the arrow selection's out there 
is too short, and I just don't like what I see in crosswinds when I have longer arrows, you know, which is what I have to do if I have, like, an overserve. That's my factors. If you're a shorter drawing person, you may not have those. Yeah, and there's lots of things that come into play, and, yeah, I mean, as long as people take all of those things into consideration... And uh, and look at I got to say it, but the big picture, um, which the big picture is going to be accuracy and good arrow flight. Um, I think they're going to be better off rather than than worrying about like like you had said earlier the one extreme or another. Um, you know, but but who knows, man? Maybe at the end of the season, I'll have shot you know seven animals in the shoulder and wish to God I had three hundred grains up front of my arrow. I just don't see that happening because of my history of what I've used so far, but who knows? It may happen. Um, do you got anything, uh, else? We're about to hit an hour here. Anything exciting coming up? People should tune in for definitely check out the, the arrows that you, you just released. Um, (laughs) I'm so scared of, I'm so scared of that. I, um, yeah, actually I had my phone, I had to turn it off last night because I put that video out there just showing the new arrows and, talking about the fact that they're going to be available for the first time, but just the amount of emails we've had alone, just people emailing in saying, is there any way I can get like on a secret list? Just those emails alone are already more than the entire first order that Easton got here, uh, which is a a good problem, but a bad problem. Um, And yeah, we've already, even Hoyt emailed me and said, dude, holy cow, all we're hearing about is these arrows today. So it's it's a good problem to have. Um, I've kind of put together a, a really good package for everybody. You could, if you're interested to look at them, you could go to um, the Knock on Archery YouTube channel and just probably type in uh, Knock on Arrow System in Series Explained and pretty much just walks you through them. It's not I wouldn't say extreme. You can put 75 grains up in the front. If you wanted to buy an extra pack of uh, of hits, you could easily throw in 150. All you got to do is stack them when you push them in. But I just think that uh, a lot of people that are wanting to shoot a little bit more weight, like you and I do, you just start to really run out of, of arrow stiffness pretty fast when you go that route. But I'm going to listen to the podcast you did with those guys. I'm curious what all of, what, what all of them said. And and I'm sure if I was out trying to shoot Cape Buffaloes with a recurve bow, I probably, I probably would have been very finite in my system of choice as well at that point in time. But I don't know. I also, I also know how much, how much stuff I've personally stood over where I didn't have that. And I've, been equally impressed with with performance in the field so it's a it's a respectful uh i shouldn't even call it a disagreement but it's a respectful difference in opinion on what's necessary i should say yeah oh yeah and i i was obviously very polite and open-minded because i don't i've got four different types of broadheads in my quiver um you know, I've got single bevel. I've, you know, I like to test them all. You know, they all hit the same, and so, you know, the guys, single bevel is the only way to go. You know, or uh, the three to one combo, whatever, three blade. And I'm like, ah, I'll just, I got 15 hunts. I'll shoot an animal with each one. Let's see how she lays in the end. I don't, uh, 
I, I don't get too uh, wrapped up into, which is pissed off companies that want me to shoot just their stuff. But I, I like to use them all and, and see what happens. And the one thing, hunting skill, shooting skill, accuracy, those things can't be argued. Those are going to be the winner at the end of the day. The other stuff is really stuff to tinker with in the off season. Um, you're going to find everyone will find what they like best. And in my case, 260 to 280 with a 550 plus grain arrow, that's my happiness for a compound and hunting. And with a traditional bow, it's, it's different, but I have the same, a, a platform I like to follow. But, you know, again, hunting skill, arrow flight, shooting ability, those are the ones that, that you really need to stay consistent with, work on, and become a, a an expert at. And, uh, you know, talk shit online in the off season is something else to do and, and or, or, or whatever. Like, don't, don't focus on things that don't really matter that much. Um, and I would agree. If I was hunting Cape Buffalo, I probably would shoot an 800-grain arrow. But... Um, I'm hunting mule deer and I want to shoot 40 yards and I'm not going to be able to do that with an 800 grain arrow. <laughs> not very accurately anyway. Might it'll hit about four feet in front of them probably or more. Dude, I think all this is great information. And again, I appreciate how responsive you are to people. And I think it's awesome that, that you're getting in there. I, w- I don't, I just can't see how you have the time. I can't make the time personally otherwise i just lose lose in other areas of my life it's yeah. difficult at i don't sleep point, at a certain point you you have to recognize that you bring value to the industry and at some point you gotta just some people are just going to talk shit to you <laughs> oh yeah i've i've got i've gotten used to that <laughs> yeah a lot of people talk shit to me and i'll never hear it or see it unless unless one of my close friends brings it in front of me and Usually I'll tolerate it for a few minutes and then I'll just look at him and say, dude, are we going to talk about this nonsense or are we going to do something positive? Like, <laughs> let's, let's move on. It's, if it's not changing my life or affecting my family, then it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. I'm just, you know, trying my best to, to do what's good for the sport of archery. And sometimes it gets a few people upset and sometimes it, really gets people better than they've ever been on the range, according to a lot of the people I talked to uh, at the Total Archery Challenge. And, man, I came out out of there on an all-time high, just feeling value in the effort that me and Sharon put forth and, like, what we're trying to do with the brand. I came away from there just saying, man, regardless of whether or not anyone thinks that this is relative or important, I just – the amount of people that told me that they, their archery has improved and that they love the sport more now because of some of the things that they've learned, then a hundred percent it's worth it. And that's all I'm focusing on, dude. Everything else is just wasted air. It's coming to me in a negative fashion. Now, and I mean, it's a catch 22 for me because I try to be as responsive on, on answering questions on social media and emails but when you're that responsive, uh, you do get to read the bad. And uh, I don't, I got thick skin. So really, I just have to not come out looking like an a hole if I fire back uh, over the bow. You know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to back out of this one. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just answer the applicable questions where it, where it, needs to be answered and, and walk away. Uh, but I, I will tell you there's sometimes I do feel like firing several rounds over the bow. Um, 
you know, when I'm trying to help someone and then some pecker wood hops on there, but I do try to be as responsive as I can be and, and help people out. And, and it's good. I get by far 99% of the emails and comments are all good about trying to get people into archery and, and better, better them or, or further them in it. Uh, but yep, there's occasionally, I hope to get to a point where I don't have to respond or answer to uh, to messages because there's enough info out there that, they, that it doesn't need to happen. But I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. That and a lot of people just don't like to listen. They like to answer questions <laughs> or like to ask questions. Yeah. Yep. Well, keep doing what you're doing, dude. I love it. And uh, you guys are doing some cool stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too, man. I, I definitely appreciate it. We probably will we'll have to do another one of these uh, after season and uh, when the dust settles, see what's hit the ground. And if you and I come back and be like, you know what, we're going to shoot 300 grains up front or if everything stays the same as it has for the last 25 years, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, we probably will. Or, or you're going to want to do one in like three days after you dove deep into the trolling <laughs> dude i won't Whichever have i won't I'm have here. time I, I as much even if i wanted to season is is here in no time i got too many backpacking trips and scouting trips that it's it's not worth that much of my time to do another one i i need to focus on putting animals on the ground now so we'll have to just we'll have a seven hour long podcast in like five months <laughs> <laughs> yep yep all right, man. Well, thanks so much for everything you do and, and uh, all the best with Jafari, too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Take it easy, man. Yeah, you too. Hopefully everything's good.